From Impact Fashion, it's Be Impactful, a show about the women making a difference in their own corners of the world. I'm Rikki Itzkowitz, and on today's show, I go solo to talk about my newest design, the mod dress. I share what it was like to bring my couture sensibilities into a piece of the collection, some tricks of the fashion industry, and that time a guy photographed me on the street in Manhattan. Another day, another new design, another solo podcast episode. It's funny because I was just thinking as I was setting up to record this that I can, like I know for a fact that I've released more designs in the past 12 months than I have like ever before, like with more frequency and that's fantastic. I love expanding the collection, but a really fun way to mark that has been the number of solo podcast episodes that I've done, which I enjoy doing. I hope that you enjoy listening to them and it's it's always I find it fun to to dive into the why of a particular piece. And today we're talking about the mod dress, which is a I think I think it might be my favorite thing I've ever made. I'm trying it's it's definitely something that I am super proud of. Until now, the spot of the piece that I was most proud of was held by the origami dress because that was just really complicated to create. Uh, The origami dress, for anybody who doesn't know, is a dress that I created that is one size fits two through 24 and it's adjustable. So it's not just like one size because it's a big tent. It's because it's um, it has this like really cool pleating system that opens and closes with buttons and then you can open and close the pleats however much you'd like. And... It's so funny because now that I say that out loud, I think that part of the reason why I love the mod dress so much also is because the shape on this, the shape on this dress was also kind of inspired by all of the dresses I hate. (laughs) It was, you know, when I was creating the origami dress, it was really difficult to make this one size fits two through 24 that wasn't just like that didn't just feel like a tent dress or like a potato sack or anything like that. And in this piece, I wanted to think about I, I knew that I wanted a looser, boxier shape, but I did not want to feel like an actual box. <laughs> you know, I didn't want to feel like something that had that did nothing for me or something that was just not shaped well, you know, just not, a, you know, that didn't take into that, that didn't feel like it was trying to hide my body that didn't feel like it was trying to just like, OK, just throw something on and get out the door. I wanted something that complemented my body, but that was still not form-fitting just because that wasn't what I was going for with this look and it really ties in I guess in a lot of ways to that so with this design um this doesn't happen so often but I'd say probably like maybe 30% of the time I'll find a fabric first and this I say that this doesn't happen so often I think that this is one of the ways that I'm different from a lot of other designers is because I take a very technical approach to design I take a very um, a very, like an almost engineering approach to design because I am first and foremost, a pattern maker as a fashion designer and not necessarily someone who is like a fashion artist, not not to say that I don't consider fashion art, but that I don't approach it from like a, I approach things from a very technical perspective. And I think that that's why my clothes fit better than 
pretty much any other modest line is because I am thinking first about how they fit and how they're constructed. So because I'll often get inspired by methods of construction or by particular patterning or by steam shapes or things like that, very often I'll design a pattern and then I'll go and I'll find a fabric that works for it. And in this particular case with the mod dress, I found the fabric first. I saw it at a show and I immediately fell in love. Immediately I loved the colors, first of all, in it. I thought that they were just really good. And when I say the colors, I mean the one particular color of the one that I chose. Like it does come in like a black and white, but it's really bad. It's like the gray looks so dirty and gross. But like this one particular blue and black fabric, like this color combination, I thought was really, really beautiful. And then there was also the 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 yarn width of it the the fact it is a it is a heavier weight fabric and because of that each of the individual threads are on their own very heavy and when you're working with a classic tweed there are so many things that you can do by pulling those threads one of the things that I actually learned when I was learning you know when I was in college and one of my favorite techniques that I learned um I'm blanking out oh it's called faggoting not in an offensive way. This is actually the name of the technique. And there are two types of faggoting. And there are there's one type where it is between two separate pieces of fabric. So you'll have two um, pieces of fabric. You'll finish the edge of both of them. So that's basically putting a hem on them. And then there are all sorts of different embroidery, stitching and things that you can do to... Um, like connect the two pieces so what ends up happening is that the two pieces end up getting connected kind of like through a suspension system for lack of a better word so you'll like you'll thread through one one piece of the fabric one like let's say the left side or let's do it top and bottom because that's easier to visualize and then you can you do like a bunch of chain knots so that you get this like really beautiful knotting effect on the thread and then you'll take the needle and go through um the bottom piece of fabric and then if you do those chain knots you know you do enough rows of them then the bottom fabric is suspended from the top fabric and you get this very cool sheer effect it was one of my favorite things to do and there's two ways to do it you can do it with two pieces of fabric or you can do it within one fabric. So within one fabric, if you pull out the threads of a piece of fabric, but only in one direction. So we're talking about a basic basket weave. So you've got warp threads and weft threads and they go up and down and side to side. And if you take all the threads that go side to side and you take, let's say, a one inch wide section and you pull out all of the side to side threads, then you get a float area like you get this area where you have just the up and down threads and you can take those up and down threads you could leave them as is which is just like a beautiful very light area effect to have in the fabric but you what you can also do is that you can take thread and wrap around those up and down threads that are going through your fabric and you can basically create a lace it is stunning it takes freaking forever also but you can you can like create a lace within your fabric and it's one of my favorite techniques to work on and one of the things that you know for me coming from a really a like I have couture sensibilities um I am first and foremost a, a pattern maker and a dressmaker and for a very long time, you know, I made custom gowns and I did that. When I say I made custom gowns, I mean, I sat and I sewed custom pieces. Um, 
I still offer custom pieces in my collection, but I'm not sewing them anymore. That is just not possible. Um, I mean, it's, it's possible. It's just not scalable. <laughs> but either way, I, I still approach things with the lens of someone who really just wants to make pretty things. And when I came across this fabric of the mod dress and I saw how these threads were structured, I realized that these threads were, this fabric was such that I could bring in some of those techniques on a mass scale, which I have to say was pretty freaking awesome. Like that was so, forget about the fact that it was just really fun to do. It was really fun to do. Um, it was also really like, I don't, liberating feels like the wrong word. It has been a long time since I've had the chance to actually work on a piece, like really with my own hands. Um, and, and there's definitely a part of me that misses that. Um, I don't think that I'm going to get a chance to do it anytime soon. I've actually, um, in the, I want to say like in the last year or so, I've actually taken up needle pointing, which is the exact opposite of couture everything because you're like following this very set, um, you know, layout based on whatever the canvas is. And it's not particular. I mean, it's somewhat detail oriented, but it's, it's very Zen, but I, I have been enjoying going back to a very, very watered down version of just making stuff with my hands. And what was fantastic about working on the mod dress and particularly as I was working on the patterning of it was first of all, seeing ways in which I could incorporate these sensibilities into a finished product and a finished, you know, produced product, meaning not one that, you know, that is, we're making a lot of these. So we had to make it work. And also it was a really fantastic opportunity to get to collaborate with my factory in a way that I don't usually get to, meaning a lot of you know, yes, all of the all of the pieces have their own details and their own things, but these are particular details that needed that much more attention. This is this is definitely the most detailed piece in the collection by far, uh, from a construction standpoint. Particularly when you think about like the the drop waist belt that's on the mod dress that has the matching fringe, all of like to get that fringe, that's hand pulled threads, um, that that you know they were hand pulled, and all of those different pieces like I'm thinking even around the collar that same fringe that's created from the fabric is around the edge of the collar of the dress and that also was a we created the, that fringe in the factory and then inserted it into the collar to get that effect there was just so many beautiful details that were we were able to incorporate on on a mass scale. And what's fantastic is that there were so many times when I was like, oh, you could never do this if you were, you know, making something cheaper or, you know, making something not ethically or making something, you know, I'm sure that you can do this in a factory overseas. I certainly don't know how. Frankly, I don't want to know how. The This was for sure the most involved production process um, in a very long time. And it's really, it's made me want to do more involved pieces. It's made me want to do more. It's, you know, I've been scared of bringing in these types of details into the, into the collection. Um, just because, you know, things do go, things can go wrong in production and it does happen sometimes, but also I wasn't sure how people would respond to them or I wasn't sure, um, how it would go over. And the truth is, is that aside from the fact that the response to this, to this piece, um, particularly in pre-orders was, really really positive um 
and I can't wait to hear what everyone thinks about it now that I'm like bringing it back um was was so great that it's really making me want to think about what are some more ways that I can bring those couture sensibilities what are some ways some more ways that I can bring those more hand techniques or more ways that we can figure out how to do hand techniques on a on a larger scale and I'm very much looking forward to doing that I think that it'll be really really fun to do I yeah that's that's really where my head was at when I was creating this and to be perfectly honest it was so fun it was so fun and I think that that really shows in the clothes it's also just a really great and easy piece to wear uh, because of the shape of the shift dress um that is it's kind of it's based on a it's based on a sort of a shift shape it's not a full shift like the sculpt dress is it is um it's it's made to be a boxier piece that's why I ended up calling it the mod dress because I've always wanted to have like that 60s mod vibe um minus the flower power prints and also just just better you know just better just with a really good shape um that was also where it has a drop waist belt that's added there that is so super flattering and the details around the collar and everything like it's just a very very cool piece and I'm very excited for you all to try it I actually had something hysterical happen when I was photographing this piece so I got the sample from the factory loved it immediately said you know what if it's great I'm just gonna go photograph it now so I left the factory wearing my wearing this sample I had my you know the clothes that I had come in in a bag and I ended up the way that I basically do it is when I'm in the city is that I prop my phone up places and then I look like a fool in the street and then we get great photos so I was doing that and my phone was dying so I needed to charge it um and fun fact little piece of New York City trivia if you need to charge your phone aside from the link NYC um like kiosk things that are where the, the phone boots used to be. Um, aside from those, those are options to charge your phone if you have a cord on you. There is also an outlet in Herald Square. Um, uh, Herald Square is where Macy's is. So in the little park across the street from Macy's, there is uh, like an outlet tower thing. It's got like five or six outlets on it um, right next to one of the tables. It's uh, if you're facing the the dude I don't know who the guy in the statue is there, but if you're facing that statue, if you're looking directly at him, then it'll be on your left. It might be on your right also. I don't know. I always go to the one that's on your left. So I went to sit down by that like outlet tower thing um, and I plugged in my phone for a little bit and then I took out my sketchbook and I started sketching as one does. And there was a guy there who was um, also charging his phone and he was looking through a camera. He had like one of those big black cameras and he saw me sketching and he was not from New York. And I know this because he started talking to me and he said, um, and he said, oh, are you a designer? And I said, yes, I'm a fashion designer. Um, and this, and he also didn't speak English very well. So this was all happening through Google translate. I feel like that's an important detail. I'm not sure why. So, um, he starts telling me that, and I said, yes, I'm a fashion designer. And, um, oh, oh, what kind of things do you make? And I said, oh, I do, you know, modest clothing and dresses. And I'm actually wearing one of my newest design. Um, I'm going to photograph it after. And he goes, oh, let me help you. And I'm thinking, great. Like once my phone charges up a little bit, it was basically dead at that point. I was like, oh, great. So when my phone finishes charging a little bit, you know, like he'll take my phone, he'll just take a couple pictures. 
Next. And then I like go back to my sketchbook. Next thing I know, I look up and he was taking pictures of me. And I know that that might sound creepy. It was not creepy. He was a very sweet guy. Um, his name is Max. He's from Chile. And he started taking pictures of me, like sketching and stuff like that, um, that I had no idea that he was taking. And I looked up and I was like, oh, that's very funny. And I was laughing. He got some very cute pictures of me laughing. I'm going to post a whole bunch of these. Um, and, uh, you know, I know you'll you'll get a chance to see them. Um, by the time you're listening to this, actually, I will probably have already posted some of them, maybe with or without this story. I'm not sure. Um, so I and then whatever, like I got up, he took some photos of me in it. They came out really cute. Um, and then I, you know, went on my merry way. And it was I was just like, wow, that is the most New York thing that could have possibly happened <laughs> in that moment. <laughs> and it was just very um it, the whole thing was just very sweet. It was very cute. Um, yeah. And then we connected on Instagram and I gave him my email address. That's how he sent me the photos. And I was just like, well, these, these photos taken by some guy I met on the street in the non creep, the most non creepy way possible, I guess. <laughs> oh. Either way, when it comes to making something like the mod dress, the part of the reason why I'd always pushed off working with something like this, I love a good plaid. And I pushed off working with a good plaid for a couple of reasons. Number one, it gives me uniform PTSD. I know that that's not fair. It just does. So I needed to work through uh, that particular uh, area of childhood trauma. And then um, it's also just really difficult to do well. Now, really easy to do poorly, by the way. We've seen plaid done poorly all the time with bad colors, with bad shape, with bad scale on the plaid. Um, all of that is, you know maybe less obvious, but, uh, definitely ways that plaid can go bad. And one of the most obvious ways that we see plaid done poorly is not having it match up. So you have seams on a dress. There's a seam down the center back where the zipper is. There's seams on the side, just because that's how clothes need to be made. There's usually a seam on the side. There's usually a seam at the sleeve. There's, um, usually, you know, there could be seams down the center, whatever it is, there are seams. And when you have a defined pattern, like a plaid, you want that plaid to continue straight across through the seams. You need it to match on either side. I remember actually, I don't remember if we were dating or engaged or maybe first married. We were definitely walking around our neighborhood and we, uh, I was walking with my husband and we grew up in the same neighborhood. So like we spent a lot of our time dating, just like walking around Shabbos afternoons. And when we, we were, we saw someone walking a little bit ahead of us. And like in the middle of a sentence, I turned to my now husband and I was like, oh my God, that's such a terrible dress. And he's like, why, how can you even tell? Like we were half a block behind them. And I said, look at the, I said, look at the lines. They don't match. And it was like straight across the back of a plaid dress that they just didn't match. Um, and yes, it is difficult sometimes, depending on the shape of the dress, to get a plaid to match up across. But it is fundamental. It is the most basic thing, which is why, by the way, if you'll ever notice, see, fast fashion, fast fashion companies are smart. And one of the things that they avoid is patterns that need to be matched. So you will rarely see a fast fashion plaid. Um, and if you do, it will probably not be matched. If it is matched, it will be more expensive than what you're used to paying, um, you know, at that company. But the you will rarely see like defined stripes like a plaid. What you'll also usually see and pay attention next time you see 
um, a print at a fast fashion company, there's something called a directional print. So a directional print is a print that has to be cut facing a specific way, in a specific direction. So if you imagine something, I don't know, let's say, I'm trying to think, not a flower, because flowers can kind of go in any direction. Um, but let's say a flower with a stem, actually. You will never, in a fast fashion company, see flowers with stems in a print where all of the flowers where like all of the stems are in one direction where like all the flowers are clearly up because they don't want to create prints that need to be cut in a specific way because what's then happening is that they're taking those pieces first of all and they just want to be able to cut them as fast as possible so they don't want to have to worry about matching your direction or anything like that um but also they might flip some of the pieces on the marker on the layout to get as much as they possibly can out of every inch of fabric. So within a print, let's say even if it's like animals or something like that, some of the animals will be already on their own flipped upside down within the actual design of the print so that they can cut it in any direction and they don't have to worry about keeping things in one way. So these are all little tricks that they do um, to get away with skipping on quality. And so in making the mod dress, you know, the marker was so important working really closely with my pattern guy, making sure that everything matches up. One of those things that people might not notice or that you might not approve, it's the kind of thing that you would notice if it wasn't there, but you might not realize once it is. Every single piece of the dress is cut exactly the same. So the black um, part of the plaid is exactly at the top of the collar, meaning the what I think of the top of the dress is the center front right by the neck. So that's where the collar meets and opens on every single piece it's a black square and then the plaid continues from there so that the plaid lays exactly perfectly on every single piece because placement is super important little things like that are things that you don't get everywhere else and I'm really happy to be able to provide them and I'm also it, it I was scared of working with a fabric like this because I wasn't sure if I would be able to do it and I have to say I'm really proud of the fact that it came out as as wonderful as it really did. So the mod dress, let me just give you a, a top-down description um, and you can see it for yourself at impactfashionnyc.com. The mod dress is a kind of 60s inspired shape with all of your modern details. It is a plaid dress. It is in shades of blues and blacks. It's the colors are one of my favorite parts. Um, it has a collar that kind of lays flat on the dress and the collar itself has fringe around the edge. And the fringe that I'm talking about is made from the actual fabric of the dress. So it is a perfect match and so integrated in like such a lovely, beautiful detail. The dress itself is a boxy, but not box shape. Um, it is not meant to be a form fitting dress, but it is a not like a it's not an overwhelming tent. And then the um, there is a drop waist belt that is sewn on. Um, it hits in the most stunning spot. Like the, if you think that you can't wear a dress with a belt, try it. The, uh, that's all I have to say. You have to see it on um, and you might not like it, which is fine. You can return it for free. But you, that's this is where you need to, you know, to focus on. So that is. Um, the drop waist belt also, and one of the great things about the belt is that it also has that fringing on the edges um, that, you know, again, is made, is integrated within the belt and it matches up perfectly. It's just a really stunning detail. So you can see the dress for yourself. I think I'm a pretty good descriptor, but I might not be. So see the dress for yourself at impactfashionnyc.com. It is available in sizes two through 24. Um, quantities are limited. This is a 
different, a slightly different kind of piece than what I usually make. Um, and so I did go cautious on my inventory. So if this is something that you are at all interested in, I would definitely recommend checking it out more sooner than later. And if you have any questions, as always, I am happy to I'm happy to assist. Seriously, feel free to reach out to me on Instagram. You can DM me at impact.fashion.myc. You can always um, email me. It's Rivky, R-I-V-K-Y at impactfashionnyc.com. And thank you so much for listening. To learn more about the mod dress and all of my designs, head over to impactfashionnyc.com. On the last episode, I spoke with Romy Poland-Tarshish about her TV production and based out of play career. Listen to it wherever you're Impactful Podcast is a project of Impact Fashion, the clothing line I created because I believe that we are all deserving of the beautiful things life has to offer. See my modest designs that are available in sizes 2 through 24 by going to impactfashionnyc.com. Access all of that by swiping up on the cover art. There are currently 17 people listed by Ora Agunot as a recalcitrant party. View their names, photos, locations, and details of their cases by visiting getora.org slash recalcitrant-parties. The episode art was designed by Michelle Moses. Original music composed by Nissan Fetman. This episode was produced and hosted by me, Riff Gitzkowitz. Catch me on Instagram and Facebook at impact.fashion.myc. As always, here's to making an impact together.